Can our patients physically perform their jobs? Today, physical capability assessment programs. You're listening to ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to the Clinician Roundtable. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, your host, and with me today is Tom Gilliam, PhD. Tom has his PhD in exercise physiology and is president of Industrial Physical Capability Services, or IPCS. He's an innovator in physical capability assessment programs, their delivery, their production. Tom comes to us today from his office just outside of Cleveland, Ohio. And today we're going to be talking about physical capability assessment programs. What are they and what need do they fill? Tom, thanks for uh, being with us today. We appreciate it. That's my pleasure. Tom, let's start out with maybe a little bit about yourself. Looks like you're an exercise physiologist by trade. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you came to this business. I was a tenured faculty member at the University of Michigan in the 70s and early 80s. There I got involved with assessing the physical capability of the athletes before they went out into the practice arena to make sure they had the capability to perform and not get injured. And then when they did get injured, we worked closely with the various orthopods and, and MDs to make sure we got these athletes back in a safe and efficient manner to play ball again. And I got exposed to some industry in the late 70s, and we are talking about injuries in the workplace. And asking, well, what can we really do? And uh, that's what we started talking about. We have ever considered assessing the individual's capability before you hired them, and perhaps you were hiring some people who are at risk to begin with, and perhaps if we can somehow identify those risks and not place them into the demanding jobs that cause injuries, we could, in fact, then prevent injuries and have a safer workplace, better for the worker, and everyone wins. And so that led to the formation of my business, and we've been doing physical capability, or I've been doing physical capability testing in industry for better than 25 years now. At this time, as you switched from athletes over to uh, what some people might call industrial athletes, were there any systems or abilities to assess workers before they got into strenuous activities? The first testing scheme or modality, to my knowledge, that came out in the market actually originated from some research at the University of Michigan. Don Chafin and group, and working with NIOSH, they created the NIOSH standards. Primarily in the late 70s, early 80s, uh, that was the dominant testing modality, which if the industry they primarily focused on was the uh, rubber industry, tire industry, and, and a lot of the research was done uh, not too far from where I am right now in, in Akron, Ohio. Pretty much through all the 80s, the focus was the NIOSH standards, which is isometric testing, and that is you're testing various body angles pushing and pulling against an immovable object, and usually it had a, it was connected to some tensiometer, and you would measure how many pounds of force they could create by contracting a muscle isometrically, or, or by definition, you do a muscular contraction. There's no movement involved. There's contraction, but no movement. Mm-hmm. And for those of us maybe not in the occupational business, tell us about what NIOSH stands for and where they fit into all this. It's a national institute. It's part of OSHA out of Washington, but NIOSH is located down in Cincinnati, Ohio. The University of Cincinnati was very instrumental in getting this involved. They're obviously involved with the research side of setting safety standards in industry. And so that's how these strength standards or strength testing modality was originally started because it was in interest of trying to prevent injuries. And at the time, this was a very creative way to assess the capability of the worker. Many of the modalities that are available today were not available from an industrial perspective. They were 
perhaps available from a clinical perspective, but not from an industrial. So now, like today, what kind of companies find this filling a need in their business? What kind of companies, for example, have you worked with and maybe who who should use them? The basic criterion is this. Look at your workers' compensation data and determine where your injuries are occurring and where this has most impact is on soft tissue injuries, knee injury, shoulder, back, wrist, any type of soft tissue. So if a company has a significant number of frequency of injuries in these areas or high claim rates in these areas, then physical capability testing fits. If I had to come up with a brief definition of what type of industry that would be, it would be those that are involved with physically demanding jobs. Could be manufacturing, could be transportation like airline, distribution, railroad, trucking, We do work with utility companies, for example, pole climbers. They're very much involved with physically demanding work. So any any place where you have a physically demanding job, and yet that can be tied into your incident rate of injury, physical capability testing fits. Okay. So doctors probably don't fit, but maybe uh, nurses might, and maybe some other hospital jobs certainly might. Oh, absolutely. From a medical perspective, some of our clients are in the medical arena, the hospital arena. Nurses do fit, but in fact, because of the, the difficulty in, in finding them, they generally don't like to put them through some sort of a, a testing assessment. But nurses aid, we do a lot of nutritional aids in hospitals, obviously sanitation help, housekeeping keeping. All these involve demanding work within the hospital arena of the medical community. You're listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn, and I'm speaking with Tom Gilliam, PhD, and we're discussing physical capability assessment programs. What are they and what's the need? So, Tom, you talked a little bit about isometric testing as an early way of, of assessing people. I assume you've progressed a little bit since then. What, what kinds of things are you doing nowadays? There is a progression, yeah. But at the same time, isometrics is still used. There are some pieces of equipment out there that utilize NIOSH standards uh, still and use the isometric modality. But you've got the modality we use is the isokinetic modality, which is a dynamic test using where you control speed of movement, so that's another modality. You have the functional capacity testing, and and many physicians might be familiar with them. Many physicians might be doing a functional capacity type of test right in their own office. There's a whole variety of, of these, Dr. Cohn. It involves, in some cases, simulating the job. You'll walk into clinics and you might see ramps, you might see ladders, you might see wheelbarrows, you might see dirt, you might be <laughs> in stone, and, and if the job calls for you to move a wheelbarrow of stone from point A to point B, they actually see if the worker can do that. In the f- functional capacity test, you're being asked to lift. You may have a progression. Here's a basket that has two pounds in it. Pick it from floor to waist level, waist level to shoulder level, and then carry it from point A to point B, and then they'll add more weight, and then they, they'll, they'll take you up to a point where you can't do that anymore, and now they determine your capacity. And, and with each one of these modalities, whether it be an ISO, NIOSH isometric test or an isokinetic test or a functional capacity test, work simulation test, they all have their advantages and their disadvantages, and depending on, on what you have going on within your particular company, the doctor would want to know, hey, you know, if these kinds of jobs are taking place, perhaps this type of test would be most effective. And meanwhile, 
if these kinds of jobs are taking place, this kind of test mm-hmm. might be most effective. And so uh, it's good to know what these all are because the doctor could take advantage of all of them. So you described a person actually picking up a basket or an item like they might do in the workplace in a functional capacity testing. Tell us a little bit about isokinetic testing. Take us through from the patient's point of view. What do they see? What are they doing? What are they told? Can you maybe walk us through that a little bit? And the isokinetic concept was very, very popular in the 60s, 70s with sports and it still is today. In fact, a lot of professional teams utilizes isokinetics from a screening perspective because it does provide very objective data. When you look at an isokinetic machine, it looks initially, they used to look like electric chairs, uh, but they cleaned them up a bit. They're all driven by uh, computers. They're connected to a dynamometer, and this dynamometer is measuring foot-pounds of torque because you're measuring rotary motion. By that, I mean you're looking at, for example, what is the capacity of the knee extensors and flexors? What's the capacity of the shoulder extensors and flexors, the trunk extensors and flexors? And basically, it's tied into when you do a physical capability testing, no matter what modality you use, you've got to be tied into a target score. You have to test against something. And so through isokinetics, we are testing the critical movements or essential movement patterns to the job that must be performed for them to safely perform the essential functions of the job. And with an isokinetic machine, what you get, out, I believe, a lot more objective information. You get a force curve pattern out, and you can see if, for example, there's a pre-existing condition that would prohibit that individual from safely performing the essential functions of the job. And at the same time, a traditional assessment of this individual or even a traditional physical examination that a doc might do in the office might miss a muscular weakness because you don't see it. But we see it when you get these force curve patterns out. And and a real quick example is that it's not unusual. We we see people who have had some chronic knee problems, surgeries, and very common in certain types of jobs, for example, like a delivery driver. The knee is absolutely critical to them safely performing the job, and they may have an old injury or a fairly current one. And a, a physician will not pick that up with his examination but this isoconnect test will. And so it, it prevents the injury. It's safer for the worker. It's better for the doctor to have this information. And when we look at these force curves that are produced, is it easy for the patient and, let's say, the physician, too, to understand the connection? What do you tell them? How do you connect the force curve they see on a piece of paper or on a computer printout versus what that means clinically for that patient? How, how do you educate them about that? That's a, an excellent question because that's one of the weaknesses, I guess, is that many physicians are uncomfortable comfortable with an isokinetic test result because they don't have the experience nor background to read these force curves. Some orthopods would, for an example, but many, many physicians, particularly occupational medicine physicians, do not. And that's where we work with them. Our expertise, I've been reading isokinetic data since 1974 when I started at the University of Michigan. And there are clinicians, physical therapists, and so forth that have pretty good experience and knowledge and background. And one of the things that we do is we we have this all tied into a rather extensive database so we can look at the results, read the force curves, and tie it into existing databases, say this person meets a certain qualification or does not, or perhaps would need some further conditioning to reach this certain point. So most physicians would have difficult reading these unless they've been very much involved with isokinetic testing, but then there are people like myself who do that for them, and we would then provide this information to them. When a patient is finished testing, do you typically talk with them at the time, or could you talk with them at the time about what you found? No, not if it's being ordered by the 
company. The data basically belongs to the company, at least that's our position, and then any results from that test would be conveyed to that patient or new hire applicant or injured worker applicant via either the physician, him or herself, or the company. One of the important things, too, with the evaluation, because it is so very objective, it's not just how much, how strong are you, how much torque do you generate, but instead what we have discovered over the years in, in analyzing thousands and thousands of cases, body symmetry is very, very important, and that is, you know, how, how does that right side look to the left side as far as the shoulder, the knee, upper body versus lower body. So there's a lot that goes into the evaluation and to say to the, the patient, hey, man, you just generated 150 foot-pounds of torque, you look great, is meaningless because you may need to generate 250 pounds of torque to look great. I want to thank Tom Gilliam, Ph.D., who's been our guest. We've been talking about physical capability assessment programs, what they are and who needs them. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to the Clinician's Roundtable on ReachMD XM, the channel for medical professionals. For comments and questions, send your email to xm at reachmd.com.